Welcome to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. We help visionary entrepreneurs to grow their companies through attracting and retaining top talent. Want to find out the top seven secrets that super successful CEOs already know? Then reach out and we'll have a great conversation. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host and business partner, the amazing Al McDonald. Al, what are you saying? How's your week going? Doing well, Robin. Thanks for that. I'm looking forward to our our podcast here. I was just perusing our guest's bio, did a quick peek at his website right before we hopped on here. So uh, it's pretty impressive. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. I've already heard some background uh, from you about uh, a meeting you had with him earlier. So I'm actually kind of excited about this. Yeah, me too. And I get bios all the time, right? I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's kind of interesting. And when I got today's guest, I was like, okay, this is this is going to make for a great conversation. So without further ado, today's guest is Emmanuel Ephraimides. And hopefully I said that right, Emmanuel. But Emmanuel's really come full circle in forming the complete group of companies. From the age of nine, and I love these early stories, from the age of nine, when his father took him to various mechanical and boiler room plants, showing him the vast array of equipment, Emmanuel was captivated by the sheer size and performance of this equipment. After all, having a father that spent the better part of 30 years servicing and maintaining some of the largest buildings in our city laid the foundation for Emmanuel wanting to build a unique organization that provided the absolute best value and expertise. Emmanuel's extensive knowledge and experience has spanned many decades and several industries. His executive leadership roles with Fortune 100 organizations have enabled him to incorporate true best practices and bring a level of sophistication to often called unsophisticated industry, garnering praise from both clients and employees alike. Whether presenting to hundreds of property managers or consulting to hundreds of board directors, Emmanuel's philosophy is to educate key stakeholders so that they have the right information at their disposal in order to properly define and meet their objectives. Emmanuel continues to serve on multiple boards, including his appointment as vice president at CAI Canada. And one of the core and guiding principles at the complete group of companies is continuously attracting and retaining the best possible people. After all, the caliber and commitment of our employees help to distinguish the complete group of companies and lay a proper foundation of excellence. Attracting and rewarding top talent will ensure clients continue to receive the best level of advice and service, and being a trusted advisor is taken very seriously. Providing clients with the proper knowledge along with exceptional service and value will assist them to not only better maintain their buildings, but provide them with the necessary tools to succeed. This success is predicated on the success and positive experience of all clients of the complete group of companies. It is precisely why they continue to grow and further distinguish themselves. After all, this is the complete difference. Emmanuel, you are speaking my language. I love that bio. I love how you talk about, you know, the talent and what makes the the company successful. And we're going to dive into all this and more. First of all, welcome to the show. Thank you. Pleasure to be here, guys. 
Yeah, absolutely. We're very excited. And that's, and that's quite the bio. That is very impressive. So I think the people listening, the audience of this show are successful entrepreneurs, business leaders, uh, people leaders, culture builders. So I think there's going to be a lot here. But why don't we start at the beginning? What drove you to start your own company and why the HVAC and energy management business? Good morning. Yeah, great question. So truthfully, I had no initial desire or drive to pursue a business in this area. Again, as you mentioned earlier, my father spent 30 plus years in the plumbing and HVAC industry. I vividly recall him working long hours, coming home exhausted and always with very, very dirty hands. So, you know, my dad was never afraid to work hard and oftentimes would be on call 24 hours a day to ensure the heating and plumbing systems of large multi-residential buildings in the Toronto area were working properly. Again, I remember being 10 years old, going out, helping my dad with these large boiler plants. And even though I respected and I was in awe of his work and capabilities, I truly had no burning desire to follow in his footsteps. I remember my dad often saying, you'll never go hungry learning a trade, but focus your efforts and attention on school as there's no better way to make money than utilizing your own brain. He always pushed us to excel at everything we did, including sports and education, and honestly was a great role model when it came to his work ethic. I've often said extraordinary results is a byproduct of extraordinary effort. Uh, this was definitely fostered at an early age by my father and his work ethic. So really, you know, fast forward upon graduating university, you know, my background is in economics and finance. I embarked on, upon my first career in telecommunications and I gained invaluable experience working with Bell, Rogers and AT&T. AT&T though was truly the cornerstone in helping me grow professionally and personally. Um, the level of sales and technical and executive training that was provided to us an in-depth comprehensive experience to an unwavering commitment of client excellence in every touch point of the sales and operational cycle was really immeasurable with my years at AT&T. And I guess most importantly, knowing how to treat others both internally and externally with respect and strong listening skills have always played a pivotal role to my successes. So, you know, fast forward after several years of executive leadership roles spanning a multitude of industries, the opportunity arose to jump into this venture. I was approached by one specific individual who will remain anonymous at this time. He kind of put the bug in my ear and he said, hey, you know what? This would be a great venture. Are you interested? So I took this back. I internalized a great deal. I reflected. I had great conversations with my wife and we decided to move forward with this new venture and focus on an area that really lacked innovation and sophistication. Again, earlier, as you mentioned, we often say we try to bring a level of sophistication to an unsophisticated marketplace and pride ourselves on being the disruptors, we call it, and never conforming. We want to do things differently and show the market our true differentiation and value proposition. So this has always been one component and a cornerstone to our success and has enabled us to become one of the largest and fastest growing HVAC and energy management organizations, servicing the high-rise multi-res and commercial markets in Southern Ontario. The other thing is another key component to our success and growth, and you, you mentioned this, Robin, earlier, has been attracting and retaining the best talent possible. A phrase I always like to use is never stop growing and never stop evolving. Stagnation will always lead to extinction. I think some of us can relate to that. Uh, you know, you look at companies in our industry over the last 25, 30 years, or in our marketplace, I should say, you know, companies like Ward Air, Kmart, Sears, and even BlackBerry. You guys remember BlackBerry, they were on top of the world. But once you stop innovating and evolving, you become extinct. So, you know, this is something that is really, really at the forefront at everything that we do at the complete group of companies is always making sure that we continuously grow and evolve. And then, you know, lastly, I, I have to give a, a big shout out to my business partner and, and exceptional friend, Chana Pereira. 
him and I have accomplished a great deal over the last several years. Chana is truly an inspiration as well. Uh, we complement each other tremendously well. He's very strong operationally, and we have a great deal of respect for each other's core competencies, input, and opinions. So not only is he a great business partner, but he's a tremendous person overall. And uh, I'm fortunate enough to call him my business partner and, and true friend. There's so much there that I loved about what you said. And, and I think, you know, the three of us, and, and you wouldn't know this, Emmanuel, but I've certainly had the conversation with Al and I'm hearing it from you. And I continue to do it, especially since I lost dad last year. My dad did the same thing. He instilled that work ethic. You know, I, I remember applying to get a Sunday Sun paper route and you had to be 12. I prefer to call it my personal power instead of lying, but I was 11 years old when I got that paper route. And ever since I've been working and working, and working, and I've never stopped. And I've never even thought about that because I saw what dad did, you know, obviously a new immigrant to Canada and it just instilled that work ethic. And I think it's one of the biggest favors he ever did for me. Maybe I'll get into it growing up on the farm, he, you know, that same work ethic. And then you talked about growing and evolving. And I think, you know, conversations we've had offline about what we're doing at ARIA and especially at Life and Legacy, we're continually uh, developing partnerships with firms and looking for ways to do things a little bit differently, especially since the world has changed. And then finally, you talked about the importance of that partner and having the right people in place. And of course, now you've had the benefit of meeting both of my business partners. And I am convinced this many years later, we would not be where we are without having fantastic people in place, people that you can trust and people that you know motivate you and continue to inspire you. Because as you know, Emmanuel, as a business owner, it is not all smiles and birthday cakes every day. I mean, there's a lot of times where you're pulling your hair out and thinking, what am I doing here? And I think it's important to have those people in place that can keep you on track. And certainly Al is, is probably the best in our business of keeping everyone on track and level-headed moving in the same direction. So there's going to be so much value there for our listeners to get out of that first question. Yeah, I agree 100% with Robin. A lot of the things that came out of that as I was listening and certainly the story of your father, I can relate a little bit. Like Robin, I had the paper route. I had the grass cutting business when I was a kid. And I think we can all look back at when we were growing up and some of those early experiences, probably a big part of what's led us to where we are today. But I want to jump in a little bit, change a little gears a little bit. What do you think, Emmanuel, are, are some of the key components or attributes to succeed? And as it relates to you, but just generally, you know, for other people as well. Well, I love this question because there are many things that people often talk about, but in actuality, the key question should be asked, are you willing to sacrifice and face the incredible stress and adversity that it ultimately takes to succeed? Some people think that they're prepared, but once they face the hard reality and immense challenges, they tend to give up or unfortunately are forced to give up. I've always espoused the belief that if you want it bad enough, you got to be willing to face the hardships, put in the sacrifices, and more importantly, never ever quit. Again, I appreciate my upbringing tremendously and realized early on in in life, uh, what a strong work ethic is and how important a strong work ethic is. But if you can couple that work ethic with intellect, with determination, with perseverance, and really the ability to properly reason and unite people, to me, it's a recipe for success. I'm sure we've all faced challenges and adversities in our lifetime. And I try to teach my kids, they'll face tough decisions and difficult crossroads in their lifetime. And when they do, you never give up on yourself and you never give up on your dreams. Surround yourself with good people that have a strong and solid work ethic and realize your own deficiencies and shortcomings in order to bring in other people that will then make you a better person and a better leader. Never be afraid to recognize and embrace your shortcomings. But again, bring in the right people that will make you ultimately better. Never think that you know it all and be willing to embrace new ideas from others. Be open. 
two ideas. There's a plethora of analogies that I like to apply with sports and business and everyday life. I've always been very, very competitive from an early childhood on and onwards. And that desire, that burning desire to win and do whatever it takes to win has always spurred me on. It's precisely why for the last 30 years, when I look at hiring someone, I want to see and learn just how competitive they are and how hungry are they to win. I call them the intangibles and tangibles in life. Having an education and experience is one thing, but if you can find that person that has that plus the burning desire to win and is ultra competitive, then that's the person I always recommend to hire. Also from day one, my business partner and I wanted to create a culture that really at the end of the day promotes and celebrates diversity, inclusiveness, respect, and integrity. That's been instrumental uh, for us to attract and retain high caliber talent. Ultimately, our success, again, is predicated on the amazing and talented staff that we have and continue to attract and never stop recognizing this talent that you have. It's amazing how far recognition can motivate your employees. Celebrate your staff, I say oftentimes, never lose sight of their importance. We've never lost sight of this. And as the saying goes, clients don't come first, but ultimately your employees come first. I think it's Richard Branson that said, take care of your employees and they will take care of your clients. And our employees truly are the heart and soul of our organization and they always come first. We truly have created a family culture and atmosphere. And like any family, respect, love, tolerance, appreciation should be the cornerstone and foundation to build upon. There's a lot of lessons there, especially for people <laughs> who are just starting out and building a company and, and maybe creating some of those first hires. And, and you're right, it's, it's so important and it starts from day one. And I, I like, you know, when you're doing the interview process, you're trying to see how competitive they are and you want to make sure they want to win. And, and we were talking about that on, on an earlier episode today, just that importance of that engagement and that, that whole onboarding experience. So, so I'd love to hear that again, like Al did, I think I'd like to switch gears a little bit because the audience that I talk to on a regular basis, again, you know, successful CEOs, C-suites, HR, people leaders, builders of culture, not everything is going to go your way every single day. And I know, I know, Emmanuel, your company is taken off and growing well. And then when I look at the leadership of you and Chana, I, I see why, right? Because right? it comes down from the leadership and that's why you have such a strong team. But on those days, and maybe it's not your down days, maybe it's just in general, what motivates you to keep going, to build a company, to get the best people on a daily basis? What motivates you as a partner in the business, as a leader of the organization? And how do you apply that to your business? That's an excellent question, Robin. Oftentimes you'll hear people say success is a motivating factor, but to me, what's even a greater motivating factor is failure. My parents, I remember, were always preaching to us and my sisters, or to me, I should say, and my sisters growing up that education is paramount. I remember walking home, if I can use this quick analogy, walking home from school in grade nine and having my math mark going from a 95 down to a 60 because I messed up on a big test. And I can tell you, that 20-minute walk home was the longest walk of my life because I didn't want to disappoint my father and face him. So I, I knew how important school and getting grades were to him and bringing home a 60% made me feel like a failure. And instead of dwelling on it, to me, it was a great motivator for never wanting to feel that way again. And my commitment from that day forward is, you know what? Better preparation, never wanting to feel that way ever again, never wanting to disappoint my father. So to me, failure can also be a great motivator. I call it, you know, one of the teachable moments in life. As my dad often said to us, you know what? You're always going to make mistakes. Try not to repeat those mistakes. Learn from those mistakes. Inevitably, we'll always make mistakes, but having the fortitude and the desire to learn from such mistakes and changing your behavior to not repeat them can be the difference between mediocrity and greatness. So aside from an insatiable desire to win, 
I've always been a firm believer in doing good and just karma in general. Cut corners, cheap, not be willing to put in the time and the effort, you won't be rewarded. Ultimately and philosophically, to me, life is a journey. We're here for a short period of time. Leave the best impression on people that you possibly can and get the most out of life. I love what you said there. And it's so true. And it's one of my beliefs. And it was certainly one of my dad's beliefs. You do the right thing. You do good things. You might not see, especially financially, you might not see the reward initially, but ultimately it will always come back to you. I like what you said about failure too, being willing to fail, to put yourself out there. And, and we were on an earlier episode this morning and, and someone had said they built a culture where they have freedom to fail. And I think that's such an important gift to give, especially to your employees knowing, hey, listen, if you take a chance and it doesn't work out, okay, that's fine. And exactly like you said, as long as we learn from that and we move forward, then, then ultimately we have bailed. So I, I think there's so many great things in that message. Just to piggyback on that just a little bit, the fact that you brought up that math test, having to walk home, that's something that stuck with you, right? All those years, you learned probably a lot more from that one failure than all those other successful math tests. You don't even remember the ones that you got 95 on or 100. You don't remember them, but you remember the one you got 65 on, right? Because that stuck with you and you learned from that. So one of the things I always like to say is failing does not make you a failure. We fail all the time. Doesn't mean you're a failure. So I mentioned before that I did go back and read your bio and you've got a long bio. You've done a lot of things. You've been involved in a lot of companies. Does something stick with you in terms of what stands out as some of your most rewarding moments in your business? Well, I can tell you just seeing the evolution of our our companies over the last several years, the growth of our business, the environment that we've created for our employees and clients alike, having fun continuously having fun while being the disruptor in the industry. You know, I love going to the office. I love meeting clients and generally speaking, making a positive difference in people's lives. So, you know, the reason that both Chen and I can work 12, 14 hours a day, seven days a week, oftentimes is because we generally love what we do and we get further motivated by the positive impact that we're having, not only on our clients, but also to our employees. Both Chen and I have very similar philosophies And we've never really been fixated or motivated by money. Rather, our motivation and satisfaction comes from creating something unique and delivering a positive experience for our clients and our employees. To me, and I've always said this, money is a byproduct that will come if you can create something magical, sustainable, and even deliver a unique experience to your clients. We set out from day one to be different, provide our clients with a unique and, you know, we call it the complete experience and fill a void that has been present for many years. And that really is being a true comprehensive one-stop approach to the HVAC and energy management industry in Southern Ontario. So there's a multitude of different ways that I feel that I've been rewarded. And again, the stuff that I, that I just mentioned previously really are the key components there. Let's talk about obstacles. And again, I'm not trying to be a downer on this, but and tell because there are a lot of, there's a lot of upside to owning a business and I, and I get together. I've told this story before I get together with a buddy every Christmas and he's in a very good position. He's been with a major Canadian firm for a long time and he's got a, you know, the full pension, the share ownership. And he always pulls the same, you know, Rob, you're so lucky you own your own business. And again, there have been, I would say years where I've been pulling my hair out and ultimately I'll say the same thing as you, Emmanuel. I do this. I work the long hours because I love what I do. Much to my wife's chagrin, I'm on vacation and I'm reading something or I'm building something or I'm sketching something out. And she said, you know, you got to stop. You're on vacation. I said, but this isn't work for me. This is what I love. This is my passion. And I do feel an obligation, especially having my dad in the business, to carry on that work and to fill big shoes and, and, and carry on that legacy. 
But the reality is when we're building a business, there are obstacles. Can you talk about maybe what obstacles have you personally faced and how did you overcome them? In retrospect, certain challenges and obstacles that we face, I guess, are similar to what other entrepreneurs have faced. Being able to effectively manage your cash flow, ensuring that we had certain provisions in place when we started the business. That was really, really important from day one. You know, the beginning tends to be the most challenging. Obviously, there's many, many sleepless nights that people just never see about an entrepreneur or a business owner. Ensuring your revenue is constantly coming in, meeting your revenue goals, demonstrating to your employees, especially in in the beginning, that there's really nothing to worry about, that, you know, we as the owners have everything covered. You know, you almost have to put on this this persona that, hey, we're going to get through this together and whatever the challenges are, there's going to be a rainbow at the end of the tunnel. There's no disputing that the first three, four, five months were exceptionally stressful. There were many, many sleepless nights filled with tons of anxiety. There's no room to fail. Financial institutions are not willing to extend credit that easily. Uh, and when they do, everything tends to be co-signed with personal collateral as your backstop. So there was a tremendous amount at stake to succeed, including obviously your personal assets. So for me personally, as a husband and father of three younger children, that placed an even bigger burden and additional stress on my shoulders. My business partner and I are fortunate and blessed to have great wives that supported us and believed in our goals and aspirations. I often say that having the support and stability at home allows you to focus on your execution goals. And it took away really one less worry from my focus. Both Chana and I, I guess we're very grateful to our spouses as they both pitched in in the beginning and they did whatever it took to make us succeed and allow us to work 14 to 16 hour days, especially in the beginning, sometimes seven days a week. So their support and encouragement was truly remarkable. Our mindset from day one was, again, failure is not an option. Do whatever it it takes to succeed. And again, ultimately, I go back to extraordinary efforts will eventually lead to extraordinary results. You got to be willing to do whatever it takes, put in the sacrifices, and just that never given attitude. And more importantly, you know, as a father as well, it allows me the opportunity to kind of demonstrate to my kids how important your work ethic is. My kids see how hard we work, and I try to be home for the kids as often as possible. Sometimes, you know what, that just can't be done. I'll attend board meetings or client meetings, but my kids truly have an appreciation and an affinity towards, you know what, hey, dad's really working hard to be the provider for the family. That's a great message. And I'm sure a number of uh, our listeners that are business owners and entrepreneurs are, are going to relate to that, both from the work perspective and the family perspective. I think we've all been there. So I think they're going to appreciate that. We've talked a lot about your past. We've talked a lot about how you got to where you are and the obstacles you faced. Let's look forward to the future. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Realistically, you know, I obviously have to also have kind of realistic goals. Our collective goal here is to expand into different vertical markets. We started doing that right now. We want to continue that expansion, possibly into different geographic areas within North America by leveraging the strong foundation that we've put in place currently. To me, sustainable growth is a priority, along with continuously attracting the best talent possible to service the changing needs of our clients. So, you know, our clients are ultimately our greatest salespeople. A happy and loyal client will introduce you to others within their industry and having exceptional testimonials is to me the greatest form of validation and acceptance of what we're doing. So we will always look at pushing the envelope, continuously improving, and really never resting on our laurels. After all, you know, we never want to become obsolete and extinct. In the end, we want to continue to win, be proud of our accomplishments, celebrate our successes with our employees and clients alike. And really, you know, I, I say this oftentimes as well, it's really a true symbiotic relationship with our employees and clients. The reality is our success is really predicated on the success of our clients. 
and having our clients view us as, as their strategic partner and expert as we continue to move forward and expand into different vertical markets and geographic areas is really going to be important for us to continue down that road. So hopefully as we grow and as we expand as well on a personal level, I can start spending a little bit more time with the family. We've established a great foundation. We brought in some great strategic leaders that complement us. And again, I look at Chan and I as, you know, being the general, you're never going to win the war without having great lieutenants, great colonels, and great soldiers. So, you know, leadership starts at the top, but we've also empowered our senior leadership team to, you know what, be autonomous, make smart decisions, make sure that they're consulting amongst themselves. We have our senior leadership meetings on a monthly basis. We have a tremendous core group of individuals here, and we look forward to the future with great enthusiasm and hope. You definitely have a great team. I've had conversations with quite a few of them now, and I can verify that the leadership shows through the people that I've dealt with and uh, just really good people. So you're, you're doing something right. I think there's so many great messages here and I, and I can't wait for this episode to come out, Emmanuel. So thank you for joining us today and thanks for sharing your story. What's the best way for people to reach out if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing at CES? Thanks for the commentary there, Robin. You can reach us at www.thecompletegroup.ca. 24-hour number here is 905-629-6713. Or just send me an email directly. I respond to all my emails within 24 hours, regardless of how busy I am. You can reach me at emmanuel at completees.ca. And that's C-O-M-P-L-E-T-E-E-S.ca. Okay, perfect. Well, that does it for today's episode. As always, I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends. And remember, it all starts with one.